New York City's Ypres, the only pair of races more explosive than Aaron Judge. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 381 of Motorsport 101. It's a Formula E edition, I hope you missed this. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harris, and I hope you guys are enjoying the ride because... uh, New York City was, um, what's the best way of me wording this? Pure unbridled chaos. Um, everything about this weekend was nuts, ridiculous, silly. In fact, like I said on Twitter, I called it peak formulary. Because isn't this basically what it, what it was, Cam, by the time we were all said and done on Sunday? <laughs> I mean, I didn't get to see the first race. All I saw was the pictures, and yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Oh, that, that's all you needed to see, because like, the race was a snoozer until that specific point. We have about 10 minutes to go in the race. We'll get to that very shortly. But with that, everything to do with race two. Good God. We'll get to that in a minute as well. Um, RJ, what did you make of it all? Fellas, I, I, this race may be boring, but I'm telling you, Nick Cassidy has got this in the bag. That race one win is just around the car. Oh, God damn it! Uh, you know it hurts it hurts a lot it hurts as much as thinking back to a year ago and wondering why i'm not having a slice of new york pizza right now oh not the infamous new york slice i know you missed out this time around yeah with new york style electric vehicles you just have to fold them Uh, whereas with chicago style deep dish electric vehicles uh you have to eat those with a fork and uh, typically, people don't consider this to be electric vehicles. Yeah, and uh, RJ, this one... I just have to question why you're puncturing electric batteries with a fork. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> that's quite... That's that's one of the all-time great quotes on this show. <laughs> why are you poking electric batteries with a fork? There are many... I want to see what happens! I mean... <laughs> I, I, you see, you see, listeners. This is this is get this is how gooey... evolution wins. <laughs> I want to get to the gooey inner crust and sauce. Oh no! Stop! You cannot compare Formula Recast to pizza. What are we doing here? I know it's New York, and I know it's a red rag to a ball, but come on, we're better than this. I don't we're know. Not. Gen one and Gen two Evo on half. Oh, I hate it here. I hate it. Shall I introduce the show? Would that be a good idea, generally speaking? I think it would be a good idea. Yeah, we'll be talking all about New York. We'll be talking about Nick Cassidy getting this first win in Formula E until he didn't, until he did again. It was crazy. And uh, we'll talk about how we got to that point and how two new meme formats were dropped in the space of a 45-minute race. We'll also talk about race two and the absolute carnage that we got that somehow led to Antonio Felix da Costa getting back in the winner's circle again uh, for Diaz to Cheetah. It's like, oh, Antonio, been a long time. Long time no see, old pal. Um, as, I, as I call him over the course of the weekend, Antonio Felix de Porsche. Because, uh, Cam, that's your man. Very soon. Uh, oh, like, God, I hope so. Like, like, well, figuratively and literally. Figuratively in Le Mans and literally in Formula E, given he is going to Porsche uh, next year to... Uh, Things can only improve. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. It could still be Andre Lotterer, right? <laughs> that, that could be a problem. I mean, our, our co-host, the one, our former co-host, the one, the only Ryan Eric King was down there um, this weekend. And the, the, the one that got me was the quote where he said, always the bridesmaid, never Jev, or Andre Lotterer, which <laughs> is just perfect in in every way. It's just, it's just, it's just, spot on it's it, it just, it's just the way it, it couldn't be any more perfect we'll be talking about that the minefield over the last few laps scott elkins almost pulling his hair out in race direction with cars beached and parked everywhere and we'll be talking a little bit about the calendar as well so yeah because the 2023 calendar is now out there's some interesting observations to make of it as well this could be the last time we race in new york we'll have to wait and see on it's some of that always well. about the Freaking cruise industry. Of course. Small boating accidents, etc., etc. We'll talk about that and more in the next 40 minutes or so for Formula E. But places you can find us real quick, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at uh, motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are at Harrison101HD, at cbuckley917, and at RJ O'Connell. We're on Instagram at motorsport101pod, and you can check us out on our website, motorsport101.com, for all of those details, all of our podcasts, and all of our written content as well. Everything is on the website as well. So you can check that out if you get a chance already. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. You can listen to these episodes early as well as live as they're being recorded with access to our discord server and a bunch of other perks as well so do check that out if you get a chance let's catch up a little bit shall we on formula e now small apologies on this one we didn't do an episode for marrakesh simply put there wasn't an awful lot to talk about out of Marrakesh that could really justify us sitting down for 40 minutes to string out a podcast that was on a relatively tame weekend in Marrakesh. It was a fine race. Antonio Felix da Costa qualified on pole. Edo Mortara used his attack modes from behind to get in front and essentially stay there. There was a minor bit of team orders talk between Jev and da Costa, but it was all routinely arranged, professionally spoken to, and both parties agreed to play nice regarding team orders. None of it worked. Edo Mortara won the race, took the championship lead off a stuff the Stoffel could only, I think, manage eighth coming back from the back of the field after a botch in uh, qualifying. So yeah, Mortara's now your championship leader heading into New York. Two races there, of course. Race one will get through first. And uh, welcome to uh, RJ's new favorite catchphrase on this show, Big Dick Nick. And we're not talking about Foles either. We're talking about Cassidy. Um, qualified on pole after beating Sloffer Van Dorn in the final of the duels by just eight thousandths of a second. And, well, it is always about Super Formula on this podcast. Of course, it all boils back to SF in some way or another. He was leading pretty comfortably with about 10 minutes to go in the first New York City E Prix of the weekend. But then it starts to rain. Spitting at first, nothing crazy, you know, something to keep an eye on, but nothing too ridiculous. And then it buckets down. <laughs> Torrential downpour. 
out of nowhere, a literal like five minute flash flood of water, a deluge of rain hits the track. And well, it generated quite a nasty puddle on the back straight of the circuit after the initial turn one, two and three complex. Down the back straight, there was a huge puddle, and we got the most amazing side-on camera shot <laughs> of Robin Frines taking the corner normally, and then three of the leading cars, Nick Cassidy, Stoffel Van Dorn, and I want to say Eno Mortara as well, yep. all flying down the escape uh, you, road. You see Cassidy go off. And mm. then you see uh, Mortara going off even faster. And oh, then yeah. just in the background, uh, I believe it, it's it, – it, that's uh, that's Van Dorn? Step, step and, of Van Dorn. Yeah. And then all the while, Robin Frins is just uh, 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 um, taking the corner normally. Yeah, because he didn't hit the puddle. He didn't he – saw, he saw Cassidy go off, realized, let me take a different line, avoided the puddle, and was fine. Um, my favorite, my favorite part of that meme, by the way, is Lucas Degrassi just popping up at the end like nothing happened. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh hi guys. Um, this, this was this was big, grand am at Watkins Glen 2004 energy. Just oh, cars yes. flying off at full speed in the pouring rain, all into some, the same spot. And somewhere, one of Bill France Senior's idiot offspring is involved in this somehow because it always goes back to Bill France Senior. Of course, it, it it finds a way, motorsport. It really does. And oh yeah. no, he's in the fence. They're both in the fence. They're all in the fence. <laughs> oh, <laughs> unbelievable! Oh yeah, and uh, this was already with Antonio Felix's the Costas car dying and being parked off on the escape road, and thankfully, the marshals saw what was coming and they got the hell up out of the way because that could have been disastrous. Um, if They'd get caught out by that. Thankfully, everybody involved was okay. There was a huge traffic jam coming up towards um, the Manhattan hairpin afterwards that Mitch Evans was able to drive around the outside of and somehow was third. Friends was in the lead, but then the race was red flagged pretty shortly afterwards while the cleanup operation took place. We sat down for a good 20 minutes waiting for an update regarding, you know, where they're going to fix this, where they're going to fix the damage in time. Could they clear the cars out? The rain had already stopped. Like, it was literally just a five-minute flash in the pan. Um, And then about 20 minutes later, race director Scott Elkins calls it. Race will not be restarted. They go back to the previous lap, as with all FIA championships. And that means Nick Cassidy wins. Cassidy wins his first Formula E race. Go on, RJ. Have a mini celebration for your Super Formula. It's about time. They don't tell. They don't tell you how they want it. They just tell you that they want it. Oh yeah, like so. Cassidy wins his first uh, race in Formula E um, for Envision, who gets a double podium on the weekend. A huge result for Envision um, in that one to get both cars on the podium. Fines apparently was a bit salty that he actually ended up not winning it because he, he 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 reckoned for a minute he was going to win this race. And it it was cruelly yanked out from underneath him, thanks to the old countback rule. Um, But, General, what did you make of the end of the race in general? And should it have been restarted? Because I know Jaguar were, um, shall we say, not happy about this one. They weren't having a good day, and points were about to fall on their lap, and that didn't happen. But, you know, that's... 
There's years and years of examples of precedents where if they stop racing, they can't get it going again. Uh, they just go back to the previous lap they've completed. Do, do, do you want me to read out Bird's passive-aggressive quote regarding this? Oh, go <laughs> ahead, please. Sure. Quote, Firstly, look, we see it's dry. The track's dry, said Bird. We could have stopped for half an hour, cleared the carnage, gone out on the safety car, and finished the race for the fans, for everybody to have a proper conclusion. The guys first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, I think, all crashed. Yet, they're all the guys in the points. If you're crashing qualifying and you cause a red flag, you lose your lap time. I get that this rule exists, but I'm really struggling with it today. <laughs> Obviously, I'm I'm one that doesn't luck in, so of course I'm going to be a bit annoyed by it. But I just don't understand it, especially when there's like nine laps to go. That's that's a big portion of the race. There's nearly a quarter of the race left. I just don't think it was handled maybe the best today. That's about as strong as I can say without getting in trouble. <laughs> He's got a point in that there was about seven and a half minutes to go when the red flag came out, obviously plus one lap because it's Formula E. There might have been some added time to add on to that, depending on how the clock runs and when they get the cars going again. It could have been maybe another two or three minutes of added time. Was there enough there to, to, to justify a restart, RJ? What do you reckon? I think if it's a single race weekend then, yeah, I could see them holding off and restarting the race. The fact that it's the first race of a double header and they've got 24 hours to turn this around and do this whole less than 24 hours until the following practice. Like, yeah, it dries out, but you never know that another significant accident may not happen further on down the road. So mm. with that, I, I do understand the decision to call this one off early. I mean, I could go on and say selfishly that, you know, it worked out to my mm. best interest that a driver that I like won the race is a bummer, but you know, you get a whole new race all over again tomorrow. It, it turned out fine. And I was, I was also surprised at, you know, <laughs> we got our first real test that like, while these Michelin tires are treaded, uh, you can still hydroplane pretty damn easy in these things. Well, I was gonna say it's like it was, it's like a perfect storm in the well, figuratively and literally again, as I say that. Like we were three quarters of the way through the race, roughly. There was only about ten minutes to go when the rain came down. Tire wear was quite hard round here. Um, tires fell apart quite quickly. Um, you could see the cars at the end of the race how badly worn their race tires were they only get i want to say right i mean i saw hazel tweet this i'm um, hazel Southall, friend of the show they only get three sets of tires for an entire double header weekend so they have to be very careful on these tires because they have only got three sets to last two race weekends essentially um just well, just underneath two because there's less practice time but still like you factor in all of that, and then, of course, a sudden deluge of rain at the end of a race with 10 minutes to go on a track that didn't have a lot of grip in the first place. It already rained earlier in the day, so it was pretty green overall because it rained in qualifying quite heavily at one point. Again, it was rained off. It, it dried out very quickly, to be fair. Over the course of the duels, it was pretty much back to dry again by the final. When you factor all of that in, like... 
if I don't think that was a good look for the series in terms of tires. I know they're all weather ties to avoid changing them in the pits. They have to they have to compromise to some degree on the quality of your tires there. But again, like I don't think that's that that's not a ringing endorsement of Effie. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's they I don't feel like I feel a bit bad for them in that sense because there was nothing they could do about that one. It's just Mother Nature was like, well, fuck your race, innit? But, um, but you know, it's it wasn't ideal. And should they have restarted it? Um, I don't know. I've, I think you could have got either way on this one. I think general rule of thumb, you want to see a race finish under green. Yeah. Like, you know, you, Michael Massey said that himself, because let's not forget, God's only Michael Massey single-handedly sacrificed themselves for our stewarding. Um, and he was always told, you got to finish on the green. It's called a motor race. Overall, I think, I think they could have gone either way on that. I mean, was I don't know if there's if Formula E has an entire time limit for an entire race like Formula 1 does, where it's like three hours, all things included. But uh, I, I, I think it's a bit strange that they never had that or anything along those lines. So... Generally speaking, I think I'm largely okay with it. Um, but yeah, Cassidy got his first win, and yeah, he continued that momentum into race two, uh, or, or so we thought anyway, because uh, Cassidy qualified on pole again, beat the Costa in the final duel in race two, was going to be the pole sitter, and then <laughs> after qualifying... Nikki Shields live on TV breaks the news to him that the battery change they had to put in due to his tub being retained being replaced from that awful incident in, in race one led to a 30 place grid penalty. Oh no. <sighs> uh, do you remember that scene from Indiana Jones and the uh <laughs> and the Temple of Doom where the man's heart gets torn out right in front of an entire crowd? You know, I've never seen Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Really? Wow. I've not seen any of the Indianapolis Jones. Indianapolis, Indianapolis Jones films. I said, I, said the th- I said the thing that Ricky said on Trailer Park Boys. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Beautiful work there, RJ. Wow. I'm, I'll admit, I am surprised you've never watched an Indiana Jones movie. There we are a, there an alarming amount of, like, uh, culturally important films that I've not watched to completion, and, and that's just the way it is. That's I, fair. I apologize for that, but <laughs> I can imagine that that scene did not go up town real well. Well, Cassidy, for his part, uh, handled it about as graciously as possible. Oh yeah, handshakes with the Costa. Well done. You know, I'll, I'll get you in the race, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, even though. It was a 30-place penalty, which meant he was sent to the back of the field, and because there were still leftover spots, had to serve a drive-through penalty during the race as well. So, essentially, Cassidy's race was a complete DOA, dead on arrival, you're finishing at the back sort of weekend. Uh, well, second race of the weekend, anyway. It was it was brutal. Like, it's... And I know we... I'm, I'm not sure if Gam's here right now, but uh, I know for a fact that... Um, I distinctly remember that uh, Cam was pissed that this happened on live TV, despite the fact we probably knew going into that qualifying session on Sunday morning, mm. or Sunday morning American time, you know, afternoon US time, that 
Cassidy was probably going to face a grid penalty. And then the official announcement only came through mere minutes after the duels had finished. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, uh, you know, you, you had an idea that that change had to be made. Mm. And I don't know what brought on needing to spring that announcement that late. Right. Or they just wanting to do it. There's no way they could have just been doing it. So that way they could uh, they could they could just get Cassidy on a poll interview and be like, haha, you just got punked. You're not starting at the front of the field and you've got to serve an extra dry, uh, stop and go penalty during the race after we put you at the back of the grid. Yeah, it's but the thing is, is that with Formula E's like new renowned focus on trying to be entertaining for entertainment's sake with the different camera angles during the duels. And, you know, sometimes they, they, they'll, you know, go, they'll go side by side to try and make it look like they're going around at the same time to sync them up as close as they can and delayed footage and the big brother diary room at the end of races, you know, the orchestrated clips during qualifying of certain drivers talking about why qualifying is important and why their new format is so good, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they've pivoted so hard on that this year, it makes the cynical part of my brain think, did they do that on purpose? And I don't <laughs> like the fact that I'm thinking like that. Mm. I, don't, I want to give the series the benefit of the doubt for that, but like, I know there was a dispute over whether it was a forced change on the battery or a... You know, or a McLaren was like, no, for safety reasons, you should change this battery, or whether it's a, we think we should change this battery. Yeah. What I but- understand is Ooh. that I do have some insight that apparently the team had been arguing it up to that point. Mm. Um, so they would have been lobbying to try and get it changed. I guess at that moment, they just finally relented. Nah, maybe so. Maybe there was just some, some stubbornness over it more than anything else. But, uh, yeah, it, it it was awkward, to say the least, on TV to hear a man get punished live on TV like that. And, again, Cassidy it took it with exceptionally. It reminds me of the, uh, the Carlos Sainz meme from, like, last oh, year. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's a good one. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that from uh, when Will Buxton told Carlos, oh, yeah, you're off to the shoes room, mate. Uh, have fun. Um <laughs> live during f1 tv's post-race coverage that was a that was a wild one race itself cassidy obviously out of the picture with a drive-through penalty on top of the um back of the grid demotion that he got for the battery change we had the the, the, the most straightforward part of this was the cost of leading from lights to flag <laughs> you know did not give up the lead Pretty much the deck is the- back Pretty much all the way through. We had some fun just behind him. He had a lot of pressure. We had Alex Sims up there in the lead group for a little while. Um, he would go on to finish in fourth, just a little bit towards the end. But Sims was right up there. The Alex Sims farewell tour, according to RJ, is uh, going well before he returns to endurance racing later on in the year. Um, that was fun. Mitch Evans was up there again. You know, he was in the walls with Nick DeFries and Sims as well. And I, I was... Deeply, emotionally invested in Mitch Bra. You point. were, you were, you were so invested in the success of Mitch Evans and Jaguar F. We, uh, the Jaguar F. E. Team. 
I'm 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 balls deep into this now, RJ. I, I can't. You're like one of those people whose fandom of British luxury sports car brands is their entire personality. <laughs> I have become that Bentley fan. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's 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 balls deep. Like it's like you know, you, you are James May laughing at a grosser Mercedes repair bill. Yeah, yeah, like just buying a golf. <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. You know, Nick DeFreeze was in there for a little bit before he got crunched. There was a huge goddamn bump on that back straight that came about. If anybody went too far to the left of the track on the back straight, hellacious bump. Mitch Evans had one of the greatest open wheel saves I think I have ever seen to somehow miss either wall. Like, Nick DeFreeze had a similar one a couple of laps later because he, he... Clearly had not seen what happened to Mitch and thought, fuck it, send. Um, and that didn't go well um, at all. Big, big turnabout is fair play vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's Let's just say his second race was the sort of race that makes people question how he won the title last year, which we all know was a bit of a mess with the scoring format and how chaotic the whole season was essentially, with qualifying, essentially turning it into a glorified lottery as to who was starting at the front of the field. But the big one was at the end. We had, I think, what, about two minutes left of this race? Two and a half laps, roughly. And then we cut to suddenly Vernon Degrassi in the wall. Vern's been spun around. Degrassi's cars died 200 yards down the road just before the Manhattan hairpin. Oliver Raskew has died at the exit of turn six. His car is gone. Um, Say, yeah, uh, not not a good not a good time for the American contingent here. Um, and Scott Elkins is on radio trying to thread the needle to the teams. There's a big pile up here. There's a car parked here. There's a car parked there. Please be careful coming through this area. Anything to end this race under green and basically avoid the obvious, which would be full course yellow, the whole thing, because it was a pileup at that chicane complex. I mean, what did you make of that, first of all, fellas? I mean, that surely is a full course yellow, no? They were doing everything in their... It's, it's a strange thing with, like... I don't know if it's specifically a Formula E thing, but they sure do take a long, long time to neutralize a race sometimes whenever I watch them. It's like if there's something on the track that happens, they wait until like the, the field is about to come back to the scene of the incident before they say, oh, yeah, now we need to throw the full courts yellow. Yeah, I just... I, Frankly, I, don't, I don't know what you're complaining about. I mean, we got Michael Massey to resign. We fixed stewarding. That's right, we did. And it's, when I asked my, when I asked myself why this would happen, I'm thinking, why would Michael Massey do this? <laughs> <laughs> we fixed stewarding, gang. This is exactly what we all wanted, right? Just we didn't chaos. even we didn't even change the outcome of it really because the Costa no. finished the job. Yeah, Van Dorn tried to pass on the fan boost, couldn't get it. The Costa used his fan boost to defend it half a lap later, and that was it. Race was over. The Costa held on for the win. It didn't really change anything, and there was no further incident. So, yay. I guess Elkins got away with that one. I mean, just in general, fellas, what did you make of that second race? Uh, I mean, the ending certainly wasn't as explosive as the one before. Uh, I think in general, that was a much better driven race in terms of, like, 
out and out entertainment. Although you did still have some of the classic cases of of touring car passes and yeah. all the other stuff that people don't know whether they love or they hate about Formula E. But I thought it was fine. <laughs> it, it was a solid fine. Yeah, second race was definitely better than the first. I think having just the one eight-minute attack mode certainly helped. Um, it, it forced drivers to be a bit more aggressive to try and pass people because the main usual tactics we see of attack mode and undercutting and trying to overtake people and regain position, we didn't get as much of that in race two because the attack mode was one eight-minute attack mode rather than two times four, which is what the first race was, which, you know, it, it, that was... The usual like attack mode overtake, easy regain of positions lost, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, it forced guys to be a bit more creative, it forced drivers to be a bit more aggressive. And we got that from people like Evans. I think the freeze took it a bit too far, to be honest with you. Um, but he was over the line with uh, yeah, I mean, got into first. But we've seen this a bit in over the course of the year, where if he got stuck up behind someone, he tends to drive a bit over the edge. The freeze I mean, defends like a madman. You know, that's his problem. Every time he's defending his spot, he will go way over the top to defend himself. Yeah, he'll go exact. He'll go right to the point where you wonder if that's an illegal block. In this case, it wasn't. But it's, as far as a common sense racing move. Uh, there wasn't any. Yeah, like the. And the, it was uh, similar to what we talked about with IndyCar and uh, Rossi getting put in the wall. Mm. Watching DeVries lose position in basically the exact same way he forced others to was incredibly entertaining. Right. That like, that part was awesome. Like I I loved that bit. Like like from from that standpoint, I really enjoyed it. <sighs> but overall, I'm just sitting there, just like, oof, this was this was a bit all over the place. And yeah, like. Nick's had a bad knack of that, where it's like, if he has to defend, he goes way over the top to defend himself. And he was responsible for us discovering about that bump because he took a very late sweep to pin Mitch Evans against the wall um, or tried to pin him against the wall. Very formidary level defending here. Where it's basically like, as as RJ alluded to, touring car style. And I, I don't like that style of racing, to be honest with you, but he got away with it on this occasion. Both of them did. Um, with that in, like, I don't know, in fact, there was an enormous, very dangerous bump there on the edge of the track. Um, but at that point, there's nothing you can do about it other than just tell the guys to avoid it. But uh, it, pretty it's, much, it's it's not ideal, and it wasn't ideal that we got basically a two lap game of minefield or minesweeper, but with racing cars at the end of that race. And, like it, it was, it all looked a little bit wacky. But I said it in my, in my notes here. Is there anything more formal to read than that? I don't no, know. No, and that kind of just says it all right there, doesn't it? Yeah, and good, bad, or indifferent, it's it's very formal to read, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing at this point, um, but, you know, we'll have to. You know to what else it. is very formal to though, Trey? Go on. A calendar with TBD dates! Yeah, my favorite track in the world, TBD. To be determined, the TD determined Grand Prix, my favorite. And we got three dates there. That's awesome. Yeah, we got our season nine calendar, 18 races, five double header weekends, uh, a brand new opener. Mexico City opens on January 14th, 2023. 
Mm. Then we go to Deria for rounds two and three. And then we get a brand new race in Hyderabad, India on February 11th. Yeah. Along with the, we got, we got those two TBD dates, February 25th, March 11th. More Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo, Brazil. New round. In the game, March 25th, round mm. seven. Yeah, we that's going to be fun. We got Berlin on April 22nd. We Temple got Hot Nights. We got Monaco on May 6th, the granddaddy of them all. And then we got four double headers in a span of five weeks, five uh, races. We got Seoul, May 20th to 21st. That's moving up the calendar. Jakarta, June 3rd and 4th. Another TBD date. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to Rome on July 15th to 16th. And then London finishes out the calendar around 17, 18, July 29th, 30th. Dre, I know that you are like, Super excited about seeing a world championship event in India because, god damn, it's been a hot minute since we lost the Indian Grand Prix at the Sebastian Vettel ring. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Vettel Drome. The Vettel Drome, the undefeated Vettel Vettel Drome. Those are the days. Look, no, it's not even that. It was the fact that India loved having an F1 race. Their fans were mad excited just they were just uh, if there's one thing that as a vibe i could take away from indy it was that formula one fans there were just so happy they had a race like it's exactly the sort of audience you could wish to have for formula one they were so passionate about the sport that they were making noise all weekend long despite the fact that most of their races were largely boring as shit but um they were always enthusiastic well, they just yeah thought, they, they just tends to happen, happen when tends to happen when sebastian vettel is just beating the field to dust. We are yeah. always known as the Sebastian Vettel Slander Podcast, as we all know. Of course, of course. Uh, it's our favorite uh, uh, yes, the, the slander of fucking off on lap one and finishing 17 seconds ahead of the field. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some talk about the TBD rounds. You mentioned there's three of them. Rounds five and six, like there's a reasonable chance that, um, uh, this, is, this is from Sam Smith over at the race, one of those two will be Cape Town. Most likely, um, I think that's going to be the February spot. Um, Cape Town, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa for, for February, not confirmed yet. Subject to homologation, of course, but that's that, that Feb 25th slot should be Cape Town, not confirmed yet. There's also talk of a race, um, over in Sanya, over in China. Um, so that would be that could be China's return to the calendar. But, it could be. They may hold it off till 2024. Yeah, it's 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 up in the air because the track's just not ready yet, and it, it might be a mm. bit too close um, for them to have a, a to have another E-Pre there in time. Um, so that that might get pushed back. Still, we have to wait and see. COVID restrictions might still come up and come up with that as well. It's 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 a it's very up in the air regarding that. Also, the round 14 TBD on June 24th. It will certainly be an American race. We just don't know whether it will be New York or not. That's right. Say it is. I'm just going to put this out there. Formula E at Bowman Gray Stadium. Oh, my oh. God, yes. Oh, God, yes. I was. I am throwing out all my notes of everything that I was going to say. Let's make this happen. Let's have Formula E... And all of its posh influencer posse have to roll up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina and just throw hands with one another. It's great. This is just good entertainment. How could you not love this? 
I'm down for it. Um, so if the future Formula E in the United States isn't in a dock in New York City, if it's not in Bowman Gray Stadium, well, then where is it? Because, you know, they could keep racing there, but they just got to rework the track around all the stuff that they're building at the Brooklyn Cruise Terminal. Mm. So if they can do that, they can keep going. But if they don't come to agreement, what do you do next? Do they come Why back do to I Miami? I feel like it could be Miami. What about a first trip to St. Petersburg? Ooh. Mm. That could work. work. Get out of my head, Harrison. <laughs> that could work. That could certainly work. I'm, I'd be down for that. Caesar's Palace. No. Stop. We know guest we can't starring go Bruno back. Giacomelli. We can't go back to that track. I think F1 still owns like a lot of that uh, real estate for the venue itself. <laughs> I think it's interesting. There's a lot of options there. I like New York for what it's worth overall. I think it's a bit better a track normally. I mean, look, I have general question marks about Formula E racing on tracks this small going forward because yeah. these cars are only going to get faster and faster, and these street circuits are very small, relatively speaking, to the point where the cars are outgrowing some of the tracks they're visiting. And I think New York could be one of those tracks that suffers as a result of it, because passing came at a premium this weekend, and that was an issue. But I do like New York overall. It's a great backdrop. It's a great location for a race, and they've done the America's Cup round there before as well. I like overall what it does in that spot but i don't know a place like saint Pete, which is a smaller of the more conventional grand prix street tracks i think that'd be really cool i'd love to see formula e take that on if there's anything we learned from monaco it's that you don't worry about the speed differences you just enjoy the racing for what it is and just look how great monaco has been since it's been on formula e's calendar with the full grand prix layout i mean why not oh, absolutely right? i could also you know they raced in Long Beach before on a shortened version. You know, maybe these cars can handle the full one. Well, and especially when these cars are, as Dre said, are only going to be getting faster with Generation 3. Yeah. You're going to yeah. gain a significant amount of horsepower with these yeah. cars. They're it's just going to be too, uh, it's just going to be too constrained on a track layout like what New York has now. Yeah. I, honestly, I think, my, I think the Miami Grand Prix track would be great for the new cars. I think that I think that I think that's feasible. My kingdom, uh, my kingdom for a Singapore Grand Prix FE race. <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I mean, it's funny because we talked about this before on the show how Formula E might be starting to lean away from its street circuit roots a little bit as it's getting bigger and and faster, and you know, everything about the series is growing in terms of the cars and the technology. You know, two years ago, we were still doing, you know, car swaps only about three years ago. And now we're talking about 200 mile an hour Formula E cars, which is a weird thing we've even gotten to this point. But like overall, I like the calendar. I want to see how Seoul races for South Korea because obviously that's coming up later on. That's the season finale for this year as well. We'll get to that. Jakarta, I'm a fan of, certainly. Rome's one of my favorite tracks on the I Formula mean, with e Seoul, calendar. I mean. If Gran Turismo 4 is anything to go by, it should be pretty good. Oh, I see what you did there. Soul Central, baby. Good times. Yeah, wh why are we going to the New York circuit uh, that they use in Gran Turismo 4, or even the early Forza games? 
straight, straight, <laughs> straight a bit long. You know, that, that might be a problem. You know, power saving, yeah, you know, a lot of lifting and coasting, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like the calendar overall. I like the fact it's a bit more condensed and the fact it's, it's going to be more of a winter series going forward. I mean, we start in January and then, you know, we're going into the end of July. So they're going to be ending right in the middle of Formula One summer break. Roughly, you know, if 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 calendars hold up, I think that's roughly where it's going to end up with July thirtieth being the finale. Um, might be a bit congested competing with the a lot of other series early on, like that that obviously that infamous March spot. But they've only got two race weekends in March, and they've only got one in April because that's where their summer break is. They, they take a month off after Sao Paulo, so I guess it won't actually be that bad in the end. Um, so. Yeah, I like it overall. I mean, big season, 18 races total, which is the biggest Formula E season we've ever had. Um, I like that they race in a lot of places. I've always liked the Formula E races in a lot of places where Mm. a lot of other places just can't or don't. And I hope that they still continue on that path because as much as everybody would love to just see them, they abandon the street trap to go to Proper race tracks, Richard. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that's the move. I think just street tracks that fit the bigger, faster cars that are going to be coming, and we have a whole bunch of Grand Prix tracks in the U.S. Yeah, and plenty in Europe and plenty in Asia that could absolutely facilitate that. Keep FE on its street track routes, but generate better racing with more room for these cars to work with. Absolutely, sure. I'd be completely fine with that. We've come a long way from that test race at Donington. Let's put it to you that way. Like, whew, we've, we've come, come a, very a long way, way from a 20-minute formation lap in Beijing. Oh, the we box. don't talk about it. We do not talk about that. Oh, boy. Um, Jeez. Um, yeah, not ideal. But, hey, that's the calendar for you. And, uh, yeah, 18 races from January to the uh, early middle of January, January 14th through to July 30th. Should be a fun time for all involved. Formula E is back in two weeks' time. We return to London. London Town at the Excel Centre. But uh, oh, it's uh, it's wild, to say the least. And that's going to be a, a fun one in and out. Jax Jones on the music as well. So if, you, if you're into your DJing, you're going to enjoy that. Um, did a lot for the 100. was great over there, too. So, uh, yeah, mm. lots to look forward to in London, certainly, um, for that one. And, yeah, Excel Center, wild one last year. Hopefully, Lucas Degrassi doesn't go rogue again this time around. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no. He's going through He's going through the pit lane. Oh, God, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Uh, that'll be a doubleheader, July 30th. We'll see you for then. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for Formula One's French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. Could be the last one we see for a little while as well. There's a lot of rumors in the air about Paul Ricard's future. Um, viewership probably won't be great given it's clashing with the last day of the Tour de France. Not ideal. <laughs> Way to go on that one, F1. Uh, well planned oh, as ever. God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, have fun with that one. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week for Formula One uh, over there at the French Grand Prix and IndyCar's doubleheader in Iowa. <laughs> my French friend, and some corn. But, uh, yeah, basically you can find us one more time on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook, same URL, Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at CBuckley917. 
Um, we will also we also on Instagram, Motorsport101 Pod, and our website, motorsport101.com. Our Patreon is on there as well if you want to back us financially on there. Fact, much appreciated if you do. Until next time, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been Cam Buckley and RJ O'Connell. And until next time, sayonara. Bye, y'all. So, how'd Porsche do? Oh, oh, right. Andre Lauder has started race too well for about two-thirds of a second. So he didn't. <laughs>